1: This is what he was saying in John 14 6 when he said Jesus saith unto him I am the way the truth and the life no man cometh unto the Father but by me. See this verse in John 14 6 about the Lord Jesus Christ actually is explaining to us what it means that God now has his final and ultimate statement Through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is now explained to us what it means that God now speaks only to us by his Son. Because now that he's come, the Lord Jesus Christ is man's only way to God. There's no other ways. This is a holy Bible. There is no holy Koran. Because he is man's only way to God. The Lord Jesus Christ, now that he's come, the Lord Jesus Christ is man's only truth. Only truth. Now that the Lord Jesus Christ has come, He's man's only real life, only real life. This is the correct view. This is the correct view of who it was who by himself perched our sins. This is the correct view. Verse three then now further refines for us our view of who it was who by himself perched our sins. When it says there, he was the brightness of his glory. That's a special word, that's a special word. That's a special Greek word, why? Because it's used nowhere else in the Bible. This word, brightness, is used nowhere else in the Bible, and that's kind of sweet and significant because it's showing us that the Lord Jesus is so special that a special word is used here once to describe his special glory, a special word for his special glory. It's telling us that the Lord Jesus Christ, is the word is describing like the sun, like the bright, dazzling light of the sun. It's the same word that, it's the same root, basis for the word that's used to describe the bright light that Paul saw when he was on his way to Damascus in Acts 22:11 Acts 22:11 Paul describes this light he says when i could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me i came to Damascus see this word brightness is telling us something about us personally what is telling us what happened to him our souls paul's souls our souls were in a state of absolute darkness, absolute darkness, until the Lord Jesus brought light to our souls. Light came to our souls through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means when it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, going back to the image of the creation of light. Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light, there was light there's really playing off of this now in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 when it says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge. Light is knowledge. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is the one who by himself purged our sins. He's the light that dispels the darkness of our souls. And you can tell who a Christian really is. I'll tell you how you can tell who a Christian really is. You can tell who is really a Christian by the way they speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can tell, because for the Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ is elevated, and he speaks about him with an honor to his elevation. For a Christian, he lights up when he speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's speaking about the one who is the only light of his soul, and the one who is the brightness of God's glory. The Christian sees it's the light of his soul that by himself purged our sins. And when it says in Hebrews 1.3 that the Lord Jesus is the express image of his person, it means simply Jesus is God. That's what it means. Jesus is God. The Christian worships the Lord Jesus Christ as God, and the Christian really sees him as God, and so he sees some of the things we just sang here were absolutely monumental. Because the Christian sees it was God who by himself purged our sins. When it says in Hebrews 1.3, the Lord Jesus was upholding all things by the word of his power, it means a Christian worships and adores the Lord Jesus as not only the creator, which he is, but the sustainer of everything. Look at these pictures around this room. These are marvelous pictures taken by my cousin. Marvelous pictures of his creation. And not only his creation, but of what he upholds. This bird, every day, is being fed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very strange bird. (laughs) But he says that it's been created by him, it's upheld by him. And so the Christian looks at creation, for example, animals, and realizes they're all dependent on him, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Christian then says, so am I. I find my all in all, everything I need in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian really sees that the Lord Jesus Christ, his creator, the creator of everything, the upholder of everything, he really sees that. And he sees that the one, he says, that's the one who by himself purged our sins, the Lord, the creator, the upholder. Now, these are personal descriptions of the Lord Jesus Christ that are leading up to this climax of by himself purged our sins. And then coming down off the climax, on the other side of the hill going down, verse 3, it says, then he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What does that mean? That means that the work that he did to purge our sins was successful. It was successful and it was accepted by God the Father. So he sat down in the seat of the victor, the right hand of the majesty in the seat of the victor, See, the Christian really believes this. The Christian really believes that the Lord Jesus Christ was successful when he by himself purged our sins. And he worships the Lord Jesus Christ for his success in by himself purging our sins. But when Hebrews 1.3 says he had by himself purged our sins, we ask the question, what's included in that? What's that mean, he purged our sins? What's included in that? Well, there are three descriptions in the Bible, and the Bible uses these three descriptions here to describe for us what is meant by purged our sins. What is it meant by purged our sins? Okay, first one, first description, very familiar verse, John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine is an account of when John the Baptist first sees the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the first description taketh away, taketh away is the first description of what he did when he by himself purged our sins. When he purged our sins, he took away our sins. Now, that's an interesting word, took away, because it's a the Greek word that's translated, took away. It really means to lift or to carry away. So the picture here is of the Lord Jesus Christ putting our sins on his back, When he had by himself purged our sins, seeing the picture of him carrying our sins away. When it says by himself, it means he purged our sins alone, alone. You could say it this way, by his lonesome, he purged our sins. By all alone himself, he was alone when he carried our sins which is the picture that's presented to us in Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4 uses two words, born and carried, when it says, Isaiah 53, 4, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. So this by himself truth that he bore or carried our sins by his lonesome is seen for us When First Peter, first Peter two twenty-four, first Peter two twenty-four, he's expressing this, and he says, First Peter two twenty-four, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. See, this is a repetition here, and repetition for emphasis in this First Peter 2.24 verse, by, when it says, his own, his own, his own. See, it's emphasizing there how personal, how personal this is, his own. He was personally involved in bearing our sins. And this is a focus that we're being brought into in Hebrews one three, Hebrews 1, 1.3, 1 Peter 2.24, these going along with by himself, his own, has an emphasis on the personalness of it all, which I mean, after all, when each one of us sinned, when each one of us sinned, and you all look like really nice people, but God says you all sinned. So, okay, all I can do is believe God. But we all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know me, you know you. Each one of us has sinned, and it was so personal. It was so personal. We felt personally ashamed for what we did. We felt personally guilty for what we did. We felt personally dirty for what we did. And oftentimes those sins are so personal, we don't want anybody else to know about it. The Bible says covering the sins, you won't prosper. But, and so we make them secret sins, personal, private, just for, for us. When it says in Hebrews 1.3 that he by himself purged our sins, and then in 1 Peter 1.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, it was so personal to him. Oh, the personalness of all this. Our sins were so personal to us. The purging of our sins was so personal to him. And the purging of our sins by himself is not all that's described as so personal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because these phrase, by himself, but now we're really honed in on his own, his own. Those two words. Remember, every word important. His own. That's used in Revelation 1.5. Revelation 1.5 speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ as who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Again, build up, build up, build up. Now, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In his own blood. You know, not only did he purge our sins by himself, but then he washed us from our sins in his own blood. You know, that verse could have been written differently. It could have been written something like, he washed us from our sins. Okay, all right. Oh, but it's not written like that. Because this verse, when it's written, he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Those two, those two words, his own, are important because they're emphasizing how personal our cleansing was for him. Our cleansing from our sins was personal to him, that he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Very personal. It's very personal when one person washes another person. It's very personal. I know. My wife used to n- never want me to wash her feet because she said her feet were stinky. So she never wanted me to wash her feet. It's personal. It's personal. It's private. Okay. You know, anyway. But the Lord Jesus Christ, it's exactly what he did. Exactly what he did. Stinky feet and all. In John 13:4. John 13:4. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poured a basin, poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. It was very personal to the Lord Jesus to wash the disciples' feet. He washed them with his own hands, and it was very personal to the Lord Jesus to wash us from our sins. He washed us in his own blood. And we're told, why? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? We're told in Titus 2. Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people's zealous of good works. See, when this verse says that the Lord Jesus Christ purified unto himself a peculiar people, it's telling us he cleansed us so that he could present us to himself as a clean bride. He wants to present to himself a clean bride, a cleansed bride. So he purifies us with his own blood. See, these words, with his own, they're also used, they're also used, his own is also used in Acts twenty twenty eight. Acts twenty twenty eight, where we read, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Not only did he himself purge our sins, not only did he wash us from our sins in his own blood, but he purchased us with his own blood. Again, the verse could have been written, the church of God which he hath purchased. It doesn't say that. And every word's important. It says the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Again shows us how personal the redemption was to him that he purchased us with his own blood. By the way, if it had been written, and it could have been, but it wasn't, is the church of God which he has purchased. Who purchased the church of God? God did. The church of God which he hath purchased. The church of God which God hath purchased. But it goes on when it says, the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood, it's really saying the church of God that God purchased with God's own blood. Wow. A statement in the Bible so clear as to say the blood of the cross was the blood of God. It was the blood of God. You don't think that's monumental? Go tell the Jewish people that. God, God's blood, God's own blood is so precious. It says in 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter one eighteen, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the first description of what it means when the Lord Jesus Christ by himself Purged our sins, from John one twenty nine, where it says, he took away, or he carried them away. This is interesting, because when it talks about he carried them away, we gotta go back and think about Samson. Samson, very colorful character. But Samson, what did he do to those doors of the gates that shut him in and locked him in to the city of the Philistines? Never mind what he was doing in the city of the Philistines in the first place. But the point is, he was in the city of the Philistines, and those doors blocked him from leaving. And what did he do? Judges 16.3. Judges 16.3. Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that's before Hebron. Oh, man. So that was something. Anyway, go back. Samson's now in the city. He looks at those doors It stand as an obstacle, blocking him, and he wants to get out, so what does he do? He takes the doors and the posts that they're attached to, pulls them up out of the ground, and puts them on his shoulders, and carries them away. That's a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he purged our sins, took them away. Just like Samson, the Lord Jesus Christ looked at the sins, our sins, and they stood as an obstacle. They blocked us from coming to him. They blocked us from coming to God, So just like Samson, the Lord Jesus Christ takes our sins, puts them on his shoulders, carries them away. That's what's meant by John 1.29 when it says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. That's what's meant in Hebrews 1.3 as part of when he had by himself purged our sins. This is the first description of how personally he purged our sins by carrying them away. Now the second description of what it meant for the Lord Jesus Christ to purge our sins is found in Colossians 2.14. Colossians 2.14. There we read that the Lord Jesus Christ, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So this is the second description of what it means when he by himself purged our sins. He took it out of the way. You know, when the Bible says here in Colossians 2.14 that he took it out of the way, it's very graphic because, again, you know, it's the idea that our sins are standing in the way between us and God. Just like my friend was, he likes to hunt, so he was driving up to Laguna Mountain with his bow and arrow, he does that, in the morning, and a big boulder had rolled down on Sunrise Highway there, blocked the way, big boulder, and he couldn't go forward the police came by and said, well, you're lucky the other car who did go forward in that another boulder rolled on its car. But anyway, here was this boulder in the road. It was an obstacle that needed to be taken out of the way, out of the way. And we had every desire to come to God. But our sins, like a giant boulder, stood in the road. And we were frustrated because we couldn't move the boulder, we couldn't move the obstacle, and just like we would have had to wait for the big tractor to to come and take the boulder out of the way, we had to wait for the Lord Jesus to take our sins out of the way. Just like the scene that we see there in the book of Revelation where no one's able to open the seals of this book. Everybody's waiting. In Revelation 5-2, Revelation 5-2, where it says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who's worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So when it came to removing the obstacle of our sins, that was a real wait. Here comes the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That's what's meant in Colossians 2.14 when it describes the Lord Jesus Christ took our sins out of the way. But in Colossians 2.14, our sins are called Handwriting of ordinances that was against us and that was contrary to us. That's a description of a debt, of a debt. Our sins were debt that we couldn't pay. We couldn't pay this. And in those days, when a debt was paid, they took the bill and they drove a nail through it to indicate, okay, it's been paid. And that's the picture here, that our sins stood as a debt that we couldn't pay. And so on the cross, the bill of our sins, all the lists, of everything we ever did, had a nail driven right through them with a statement, paid in full, paid in full. Now, the third description of what it means when it says purged our sins is found in Hebrews 9.26, Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews 9.26 says, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away, put away sin, by the sacrifice of himself. This is the third description of what it means when we purged our sins. It's the words put away, put away. First one is take away. Next one is out of the way. Now put away. This is an interesting Greek word. It's the word "antithesis." Antithesis. It's where we get our word antithesis, antithesis. The word antithesis has in the concept, has built within its meaning, this idea of being opposed to something, Light is the antithesis of darkness. It means light stands in direct opposition to darkness. There's this real idea of confrontation with antithesis. It's a difference from saying something is the opposite and saying something is standing in opposition to. That's antithesis, standing in opposition to. Antithesis has the idea of standing against or standing up in opposition to. And this is the word that's used in Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews 9.26, which is translated, put away. It means the Lord Jesus Christ stands in opposition to our sins. How great is that? How great is that? That's like the picture of the angel that, with Balaam, the angel with the sword that was drawn, and he's standing in the way of Balaam and his donkey, and Balaam was on his way to curse Israel, and standing right in his way is this angel with his sword drawn. That's given to us in Numbers twenty-two, twenty-three. 23. Numbers twenty-two, twenty-three. 23. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Just as Balaam was driving his donkey to go to the place to curse Israel, so our sins were driving us into the second death into the second death. What's the first death? It's all about the soul. In the first death, the soul is separated from the body. In the second death, the soul is separated from God, which means hell.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.